Welcome to Popaholics, the show about hot takes hotter than hot tasty pancakes. I'm Christian coming to you live from the messy room, and I'm joined by my two favorite co-hosts. Chris Conkling. And Brian Dupree, the messy room coming back. Yeah, we haven't heard that, that in a while. It's extra messy. I'm doing, um, I've got a lot of, uh, hold on, let me, for the podcast, listen. I've got a lot of tapes. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing like conversions and stuff at home for my family of old eight millimeter tapes, and um, yeah, it's extra messy. So, for uh, those of you who can't see this on who aren't watching on YouTube, Christian just opened a giant trench coat that he had, and he has bootleg <laughs> tapes uh, just lining this. Got a trench lot of coat. tapes. You, you guys want to buy some tapes? I got, <laughs> I got the first Kingsman and something called Transmorphous. Five dollars a pop. It only plays on Sony Handycams made in the 1990s and early 2000s. Looks surprisingly good, though. <laughs> what is it? Does it does high quality. Uh, what is this show? Well, it's a pop culture podcast, unlike anything you've heard before, because, gentlemen, as you know on this show, we do things a bit different around here. And uh, we, open, yeah, we, do. we open up with some extra wacky news. Brian delivers that. We then talk about what we've been consuming with our quick hits. Gentlemen, I'll try not to go on too long with mine. Spoiler alert, there is none for me. Been very busy. There, hey, this messy room might might change soon. We'll see. Just a little... We'll see. I don't want to jinx anything, though. Could be a change of scenery for old Christian. The old lady might be booting me out. So, bye, my son. I'll be coming to you next episode with a, a stick, uh, with a bandana, and stuffed in it are all my belongings. Be riding the rails. <laughs> you know me, I'm Papa I'm always riding the rails. Riding the rails with a... <laughs> With a pack over your shoulder and a Yeti blue mic in your pocket. (laughs) Nope, Chris. Just happy to see you. Let's start the way we do on this show with Brian's Wacky News Corner. Welcome back, everyone. So the first piece of news, Kenya Barris, who is the creator of the TV show Blackish, as well as a couple of spinoff shows that have been uh, created, definitely uh, done well, popular stuff on television, is set to write and direct a reimagining of The Wizard of Oz. So we don't have too much plot details about this, aside from uh, Kenya Barris's involvement. We do know that there is a second version of The Wizard of Oz, directed by Nicole Castle, who worked on Watchmen, um, and is described as a fresh take on Dorothy in the Land of Oz. Um, both of these, obviously, are brain- based on the L. Frank Baum book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And we'll see. Um, these are the type of stories that... Obviously, we've seen the original. It's a classic for a reason. Uh, I'm not sure if these are going to be even musicals. Obviously, the the original being a musical was a huge element of it. This n- neither of these have said that they're going to be musicals at this point. Um, Kenya Barris himself is working on a few other things right now. He's finishing up a feature called You People for Netflix. He is also working on a remake of the 1992 sports comedy White Man Can't Jump with Jack Harlow playing the role previously played by Woody Harrelson. So got a lot going on here. Um, 
lot yeah, of remakes. A lot of remakes lo- in the A world. lot of remakes, but something like The Wizard of Oz, I think, is uh, a timeless story for a reason that, especially if you're doing, although there have been a handful of attempts at remakes that haven't done so well, I think it's something that can potentially be done well. And uh, you have someone like David Lynch, who all of his movies are kind of like The Wizard of Oz, even though they're not really like The Wizard of Oz. Um, so definitely looking forward to seeing what angle um, these creators take on the Wizard of Oz story. Chris, let's start with you. Um, what's your history with the original Wizard of Oz? Did you grow up watching this? I, I personally, um, my great aunt used to babysit me when I was very young, and she had a copy of the Wizard of Oz that I would watch on her small, like, 10-inch TV in her room. This is one of my earliest memories, um, watching the original Wizard of Oz. So what, what is your history with that? I saw the original movie when I was a kid, so I've seen it a couple of times over the course of my life, and I don't want to be that guy. But to overrated? Me, uh, no, no, not not the original by any means. But to me, okay. I don't know why we keep trying to remake the Wizard of Oz. It, it, it's is it because of its like classic status as a film, and it, it's a huge part of Hollywood and film history. So to me, I'm not particularly excited about this news or particularly interested i hope that doesn't come across uh too negative but it's understandable uh, we'll see it's it's a classic right (laughs) yeah i i don't know if you can make a film better than the original um but we'll, we'll see what happens here christian what what's your history with the wizard of oz yeah, I just bought the uh, 4K release that came out, uh, I think, a year or two ago. That's right. I, I haven't had a chance to check it out, but I have done the Pink Floyd thing, which is really fun. If you've never done that before, I think it, I think it holds up. I think it's a solid uh, sync operation you, you can have there where you play Dark Side on the watch Pink Floyd. Money, when that kicks in, it's a good time. Is there room to make a new Wizard of Oz? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the creative team to do it, but we shall see. I'm not going to count it out. I do think when you take you a gotta classic... you got to sync it up with the, the latest Bad Bunny project, though. <laughs> and it, it works similarly well. I think that this could be very cool, uh, but it obviously you know sets your bar pretty high when you go to remake a classic. But I, I'm not like Chris. I'm not someone who hates the kids. I'm not, I'm not anti. I don't hate the to, kids. Stop hating the kids, Chris. With their tortillas. The kids just the kids. The kids really, are our future, Christian. I just the kids want the are best pushing for, for the Wizard of Oz remake. They're like, yeah, this, this is a hundred years movie. old. I'm so interested in this still. Please, <laughs> it feels very relevant to me. Yeah, I think as long as they CGI the lion, we'll be good. There it is. We know cats um, did exceptionally well in that regard. Same team. So we need to get that same they, uh, that same visual effects team on board. And just make the creepiest, sexiest lion you've ever seen in your life. And uh, I think it's going to be a winner. So our next piece of news, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which is a game that I haven't played, but I know Christian played and really enjoyed when it came out. Um, It is getting a film adaptation by Chad Stahelski. And he is planning to make this with an all-Japanese cast in, uh, in Japanese language. This um, is really exciting. I think when this game came out, we uh, talked a lot about how visually stunning it was. Uh, I'm not sure if the gameplay was entirely new. I know there were some cool functions that I remember you talking about, Christian, where 
Um, when you don't know where to go, you can click a button and the wind will blow you in the correct direction towards like the tasks you need to complete. Yep. Definitely cool ideas there. But I know I saw a lot of footage and beautiful imagery uh, captures from this game. So definitely something inspired by uh, Akira Kurosawa. There was a Kurosawa mode that was black and white, which um, another way to make this game look incredible. So saying that he's going to do this, written in Japanese, a non-Japanese director, obviously, coming in to direct Japanese actors, it's going to be an interesting experiment for him. He obviously hasn't done anything like this before, and I don't think it's particularly common, but given the source material, if you can get, obviously, Japanese writers to do this, this is probably the the best way to adapt this sort of story. We talked recently about something like Bullet Train, which was from a Japanese creator originally, but recast with largely non-Japanese leads for that one. Um, I think this is a smart move, and hopefully in the age of, uh, Stahelski was asked about people reading subtitles, in the age of Parasite, um, winning Best Picture and becoming as big as it did, streaming, making subtitles a lot more common. Hopefully people are getting a little more exposed to that in uh, things like Squid Game as well, doing really well on Netflix. People are watching maybe a little more subtitled content than they used to, so hopefully something like this could be done well. Um, Christian, let's start with you. Um, How do you feel about um, Ghost of Tsushima being adapted into a film and Stahelski's take? Well, it's strange, Uh, you know, because... So much of um, what makes Ghost of Tsushima uh, an amazing game, so one of my favorite games the year came out, is that it takes like the best of Japanese cinema and puts it in a game. And so to base a movie on it <laughs> is kind of strange because it is so much just Japanese samurai cinema. So, you know, the story itself of Ghost of Tsushima is solid, but I would not say it's a standout. It's the vibe of it. Which is really cool. It is an aesthetic, and there are really cool things about that aesthetic. I actually get hope by the um, Chad Stelisky. He's the one, uh, I believe he directed all the John Wick movies. He did, and uh, he's been the stunt coordinator and done stunts on. Um, let, let me uh, read a couple of these: uh, Deadpool two, uh, the Wolverine, Tron Legacy, Iron Man two, Speed Racer, V for Vendetta, three hundred, The Matrix Revolution. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Spider-Man 2. Uh, just to name uh, one of a uh, hundred movies that he's worked on in the stunt coordination. So he, the emotional stuff, I think, could be hard to do, uh, especially when you're talking about um, a, a film that's going to be in a foreign language, because I think y- you need to be even more so. But if there's someone, you need even more so careful and, and visual about it. But if there's someone who can do it, someone who's already proven themselves a great visual director, uh, I think he's made for it. So uh, I'm excited about this combination and uh, promise. And I think it's a new era for video game uh, movies and TV shows and, and content. I think they're they're starting to f- you're starting to get a bunch of people like Dan Trachtenberg, who got famous from doing the Portal, um, uh, the the Portal game. You know, he made a short about that, and now he's doing amazing movies. You get directors like him and other people that have grown up playing these games, grown up on the film, who can translate that well. But again, I do find it odd. Uh, that it is so much a game that is in, a, a beautiful game inspired by Japanese cinema that now to make a movie of it is uh, is odd. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about this one. Chris, what about you? You know, uh, like Brian, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima either, um, but we've heard Christian talk a ton about it here on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, Ghost of Shishame on you. So, yeah, Shishame on <laughs> both of us. Um, 
because I think I would actually really like the game. Christian has tried to get me to play it multiple times. It still might be something to come in my future. However, I'm very excited to hear about this news. Uh, Christian has already mentioned uh, Stahelski's, you know, professional background. Apparently, he's been back and forth to Japan several times over the course of his life. So I'm hoping that he is pretty fluent in Japanese. Uh, you know, one would hope if he's going to be directing an entirely Japanese production. Yeah, I think he um, said in the article that we have linked that he's been traveling there since he was 16. So yeah. got to imagine he spent a decently a decent chunk of time there. I would hope. Yeah, can, if you're if you're going to try and direct Japanese actors, you got to be some level Absolutely. of fluent, right? Yeah. Just just to, you know, garner their respect at the very least. Got to bring your you culture know? cred. Yes, yes. absolutely. Uh, but because I don't know, this might be a surprise for our listeners, but Stilhusky is not a Japanese man. No, he's not. <laughs> he's an American man. Um, when we talked about Prey, was it two, two weeks ago? Uh, one of the critiques that I had about the film is that I really wish the film had been shot with the cast speaking Comanche to add to the verisimilitude of the movie. Now, granted, uh, I don't mind the the English dialogue in the film. They use some really clever tricks in the film so the viewer understands that while English is being spoken, it's really Comanche that's being spoken within the universe. But to hear that this film is going to be entirely in Japanese and it's a Japanese story... That gets me very excited because, like I said, it just adds to the verisimilitude of the story. It puts you more in the world of the characters when they're speaking their native language. And, you know, not only with movies like Parasite and, you know, television shows like Squid Game, like you mentioned, Brian, but, you know, we we are in a a golden age of anime fandom as well. So people are very accustomed to reading subtitles when it comes to anime. And obviously that audience is probably going to be predisposed to go see an epic samurai film. But I think now is kind of the perfect time to release a movie like this. And I personally uh, cannot wait. Yeah. I'm just hoping that they uh, make the decision, the brave decision to film the whole thing in Comanche. <laughs> But make sure that there's a Japanese dub available as well. And all the characters are going to be named Chad, just for the verisimilitude. Uh, very traditionally Japanese name. So that's that's Ghost of Tsushima. Chad Chad's Hilsky's. son. <laughs> oh my god. No, let's not. Uh, yeah, planning on doing an all-Japanese cast and in uh, the Japanese language for the adaptation of Ghost of Tsushima. Just the last note. It's funny this is news. I mean, I think it's great. It's cool. But the fact that... Uh, like, radical story radical scoop here by collider um a, a director wants to make movie about japanese people said feudal japan and japanese with japanese actors because <laughs> it's kind of there's kind of a sort of depressing thing about it being, but it shows it the state of yeah, things I know, that I it know, is oh i know i know <laughs> it's very depressing i think the the real and i'm not saying it's right but the fact that it would be a western production with Oh, Jap- yeah, fully sure. Japanese dialogue. That's really like, of course, the astounding thing about this, like the special thing where it really shouldn't be special at all about this movie. But th- that's really what the article is about. Yeah, I guess it would be interesting if like Hideo Kojima was like, I'm making a game about the revolution and it's going to be an all American <laughs> cast. With all- Wait, no, that's kind of how he makes Metal Gear Solid. Never mind. It adds up. I'm excited to see him. Uh, 
inevitably tweet about this movie. He's a great follow on Twitter. Um, Kojima. Kojima? Yeah. Oh, but. for sure. That dude's wild. He's a wild <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the next piece of news. Robert De Niro is going to be starring in another mob drama called Wise Guys from director Barry Levinson. Can't be real. It does seem a little bit like a parody of what he would make. Um, These two have worked together before on the HBO movie The Wizard of Lies, where De Niro played Bernie Madoff, as well as What Just Happened and Wag the Dog and Sleepers. Wag the Dog is the only one I've seen of those, which is uh, a movie I've only seen once, but is a great movie. Really enjoyed that. Um, Levinson himself is an Oscar winner, known for doing Toys, Rain Man, Good Morning Vietnam, and many more. Obviously, De Niro, two-time Oscar winner as well. Most recently has done The Irishman and Joker. Going to be in Killers of the Flower Moon, the the latest Scorsese movie. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to be penned by the writer of Goodfellas, Nicholas Pileggi, and is based on a 1985 book called Wise Guy, Life in a Mafia Family. Um... I'm a little confused with something that is said in this, and I'm not going to say too much about the plot of what actually happens here, but it says, Wise Guy is a period piece which tells the story of Vito Genovese Genovese and Frank Costello, a pair of Italian-Americans running two separate crime families during the mid-20th century. Apparently, De Niro is playing both of these characters. Yep. Um, (laughs) So I think this is kind of the fundamental, like, What? From from this announcement, uh, De Niro playing two rival mob bosses. I have no idea how much um, if there's going to be full. <laughs> Imagine Christian, you know the, the Christian is video. doing uh, rival bobs, just like <laughs> doing the De Niro face back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah. Like I closed my eyes and I just saw a TikTok of like you know when people make a video about two people talking to each other, but it's clearly just the same person. And yes. it, but it's Robert De Niro with uh, a hat on, yeah. backwards cap, <laughs> and it's like this scene in Heat. It's just in the film to... is actually going to be shot vertically right. and <laughs> will be a TikTok and dubbed in Comanche. <laughs> yes, yes. I every time, every time I I think of Robert De Niro impressions, I always think about the old Jimmy Fallon impression from Saturday Night Live from like the late nineties, early two thousands. You know, like the gonna meet me gonna meet <laughs> yeah you know uh, you know here's how you do a good robert a robert d face is uh is you um pretend like you have one of the, you remember that candy warheads yes that made like made you puck your lips but then you, but you, you have to act really tough you're in a bad part of town and you just have to look tough you got a warhead <laughs> in your mouth but you but you also you kind of have to do a bit that's of like pretty, the grumpy cat you gotta do a bit of the grumpy cat where like your frown your frown's like well that's what i'm tense, saying you know? you're so uncomfortable Frown-pucker. because you got you yeah. got two of the uh the nuclear lemons whatever they're two called. of them yeah. <laughs> one in each cheek yeah <laughs> it's so that was sour. actually a, a, that was a big part of <laughs> big part of his method acting was warheads in that was part yeah. of you call action you gotta have the warheads. brando in. uses cotton balls de niro uses lemon flavored war <laughs> You want to know my secret? What? <laughs> Sour. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's Robert De Niro. It's a mob movie. Um, What's not we, to like? We have all the right ingredients for, for yeah. something great to potentially <laughs> yeah, but, happen here. What if there was two Robert De Niro's in a mob movie? But what if there now was Now we've another? doubled the fun. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's wise, guys. That'll be directed by Sam Levinson. Definitely will keep everyone in the loop on that. 
Let's move into some stuff that's coming out this week. I'm going to start with a video game, guys. Uh, it's a rare one where there's a relatively big title coming out this week. We have the reboot of Saints Row coming out from developer Volition, published by Deep Silver. This is going to be coming out um, on August 23rd, this Tuesday. And it'll be on Windows, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, and Series X and S, as well as Google Stadia. And it's set in the fictional city of Santo Eleso, located in the American Southwest, and based loosely on the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. This is currently under control of three criminal gangs. Um, I don't know too much about these games. I know there was a series of them prior that apparently did well, considering there was a series. Um, Christian, Chris, have you heard of the Saints Row games? Did you ever play them? Is this something that at all interests you in terms of getting a reboot? Um, I don't talk about video game release often, so I saw this seems like a relatively major one. Chris, let's start with you. Brian, I've heard of the Saints Row games. I've never played a single one, and I'm not interested. Christian, what there about it is. you? <laughs> Quick and easy. Uh, so you all, you both know GTA Grand Theft Auto. Yes. Okay. Yes. Pretty big game. They don't come. They don't make them a lot because they take forever. Because they, they I, keep I mean, doing themselves. The last one is yeah has jumped many generations. Yeah. And of, apparently, of the consoles. new one GTA Six is, is going to be a while. This is going to be a couple years. They were like work life balance, and they're like it's going to take fifteen years to make this game. So. <laughs> Uh, they're like, we got rid of Crunch. And they're like, awesome, when's the new GA coming out? And they're like, <laughs> we got rid of Crunch. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so anyway, you have Grand Theft Auto. And that's like, um, I don't know, the NFL. Okay, and then, and then right. you've got This is the XFL. This is the XFL of GTA, <laughs> okay. which is like, we're desensitized to football, right? Because it's a horrifically violent sport that I love as an American. Uh, I don't know who does it, but we're like uh, 12 men will, or 11 men. Is it 11? Is 11 or 12, Brian? 11, I think. Uh, we'll, enter, we'll enter the field of both teams. 11 or 11, 22 men. And they'll just hit each other. They'll just tackle and, and throw 400 pounds of their own body weight on top of each other. And we're like, yeah, this is a sport. And the XFL is like, but what if, what if you could like punch people in the dick while you did it? <laughs> Uh, you we know, recently reminisced about NFL Blitz, so yeah, let's not it's let's the, not judge too harshly for the video <laughs> for the video game fans. It is the Blitz to to GTA's Madden, and uh, yeah, apparently they're 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 taking it back a little bit where they're not going as ridiculous. But by the last Saints Row game, which I'm gonna say, I'm an NFL guy. Okay, I'm a classic. Okay, so wait, but you did play some of these games. I did. And okay. they're ridiculous. They are they are like GTA, but like uh, you also have superpowers and you're the president. Like they go full. Uh, the last, I believe, yes. the last Saints Row game. I'm I, in. I played a few. I'm now interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe you're you're the president of the United States and you get superpowers. Um, but and then it's also kind of like GTA. This I from what I everything I've learned, they've drawn back. The, quite the ridiculousness where it was like a gta clone that got more ridiculous they've now pulled it back for this one and they're using some new tech i believe this is running on uh i don't think it's unreal uh engine 5 like the newest one but uh it's i believe the last one was made on unreal engine 3 so this one's like unreal engine 4 or the equivalent unity engine and it is uh so, so they're modernizing it a little bit uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see the reviews. These games I've never been a big fan of, but they do offer, they're going to offer that GTA fix to those who are looking for it um, in kind of maybe a more simpler, similar like Just Cause. I don't know if y'all are played or they got that game, but 
um, it's kind of like this. They, they really embraced the part of GTA that is um, sandbox fun simulator. Whereas GTA has that, but they also do a great story and it's mm-hmm. more character driven and it's really detailed. Whereas this is like, you know how fun it is to go on a rampage in GTA and steal a bunch of cars. They're like, let's make a whole game that's like that fun. Uh, they really leaned into that more than GTA even did. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and I, I, I really want to see the reviews because uh, I know that they've done quite a bit to, to rework it. So, so we'll see. Okay, cool. Back so, to you, Brian. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you, you actually knew about these games. I was kind of taking a shot in the dark there. So that is the Saints Row reboot that is out you. on all major con- consoles this uh, Tuesday. The first hour of that last Saints Row game because I had come into the series like after missing it and to see that you were the president of the United States punching people through buildings um, this is this is like the same main character throughout the games that no, has become you president create your, oh. you would create oh, your own okay. character yeah i think the story had led up to that in the last one but you actually create your own character again it's very okay. sandboxy it's a lot more like have fun in the playground kind of game yeah okay so yeah that's saints row definitely check that out let us know what you think we went into some stuff uh that's coming out on tv this week we have a new series called Mo that's coming to Netflix this Wednesday. This is from uh, executive producers and creator Mohammed Mo Amer and Rami Youssef, who is, they are known for doing the um, the Hulu show Rami, which we brought up recently. I've only seen a couple of episodes. Incredible but show. Amazing excellent. show. It's an excellent show. Love it. So um, this is based on um, – Amer's own experiences as a uh, Palestinian refugee growing up in Texas. Um, Mo straddles the line between two cultures, three languages, and a ton of BS as a Palestinian refugee constantly living one step away from asylum and on the path to U.S. citizenship. Um, This is kind of a slice-of-life story similar to Rami that is just showing what uh, life is like in America for for this guy, Mo. We have Teresa Ruiz starring as his girlfriend, Maria, Farah Bissieso, I apologize about pronunciation there, as Mo's mother, Yusra Najjar, um, and many more. And this show looks great. Um, It made me want to go back and finish watching Rami, which I had picked up uh, a couple years ago and never come back to. Um, But yeah, this is coming to Netflix this uh, Wednesday, Christian. I know you had you've obviously watched Rami. Would you be interested in checking out Mo, the same no, creative team? Very exciting because because Rami, I think, is a severely underrated show that I believe is on FX. So it's, I think it's on Hulu. Yes, uh, that's right. So uh, it's going to be very exciting uh, to see what that creative team does. Um, but part of that show uh, is is um, what's his name? I don't know. I don't have his full name, but his name his name is Rami, I believe. Rami Youssef. Yeah, Rami Youssef. Is Rami Youssef going to be in this uh, show? He's not, but he is a um, producer. Yeah, that I mean, the fact that he's involved is great, but he is uh, a, a really obviously he's a central character, and he really does pull that through. But I, I the supporting cast in Rami's great. The little slice of life nature that we've gotten from a lot of these modern shows, that sensibility is so there. Um, so if our our main character um, is as engaging or more so, um, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Yes, that's Mo. That'll come to Netflix this Wednesday. My, hey, that's some Mo Netflix for you. All right, All right moving on. Back to you, <laughs> Brian. Back to you, Brian. Coming to FX this Wednesday, we've got Welcome to Wrexham. Um, so this is something that I've seen a handful of advertisements for, 
And the people involved with it are kind of what drew me to it because I'm not a giant soccer fan personally or football, depending on this type, uh, part of the world that you're in. Um, this is a new docuseries starring Rob McElhenney, um, who many may know as Mac from It's Always Sunny, one of the creators and writers and stars of that show, and Ryan Reynolds and the process of them purchasing the Welsh Association Football Club, Wrexham AFC. So this is a club that apparently when they bought it was pretty much on the down and outs, had been owned yeah. by a, um, a f- kind of like a fan-owned trust fund of sorts that didn't really want to sell to anyone. And eventually because of these two guys being the ones um, who were offering it, uh, it decided to sell it and have been progressively doing um, better. They They missed getting promoted to... We've watched Ted Lasso recently, so I know vaguely what promotion is in in soccer. But um, they didn't get promoted most recently, but apparently they've progressively gotten uh, done pretty well in the last couple of seasons. So this is a show about them becoming a, a part of this town, getting close, and kind of rebuilding this um, very old sports team in, in Wrexham. Um, like I said, the the people here are are what drove me to it. These two characters, I charisma powerhouses, exactly. Ryan Chris, Reynolds would, and Rob McElhenney. Are you planning on checking out this show? Absolutely. I've been listening to them tell the story about how they came about purchasing the Wrexham football team, and uh, I can't I can't wait to see the documentary <laughs> because I think uh, it's just going to be interesting about the process. But like I said, you also have. These two exceptionally charismatic gentlemen involved and watching them play off of one another just in interviews. Uh, Rob McElhenney recently hosted or guest hosted um, Jimmy Kimmel Live. So uh, and and Ryan Reynolds was a guest uh, on one of those episodes. So they're a lot of fun when they interact with one another. Uh, I think the documentary is going to be a lot of fun as well. It seems like an unreal premise. (laughs) <laughs> it, I mean, like a live, it's, it's like a real it's Ted literally Lasso Ted Lasso. <laughs> except they're except, not coaching right <laughs> yeah and they, I don't, they, don't, they don't strike me as the most positive people on the planet uh, not that they're like insanely negative but I just see you know um, okay. Okay. they're a little they're sassy they're sassy sasquatches they are indeed sassy so much of sassy with a little sass on the soccer no. pitch sometimes it's what you need sure uh, yeah I <laughs> I can't believe this is a real thing. Uh, it's very exciting. Six six episode docu series that'll be uh, starting on FX this Wednesday. That's Welcome to Rexham. It's going to be the Sandman of uh, sports docu series. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Moving into some movies that are coming out this week. Something that we will actually be covering later this month. We have George Miller's latest film, Three Thousand Years of Longing, that'll be in theaters this Friday. Um, Technically. Next next month, Brian will be covering it in September. True. Yes, yeah. yes, right. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate the correction. Yes, the very end of George Miller month. Um, this is directed and co-written by George Miller. It's an adaptation of the short story The Djinn in the Nightingale's Eye by A.S. Byatt and stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. The premise of this movie, a scholar content with life encounters a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. 
This leads to unexpected consequences, as we would expect from this sort of story. This is a uh, ancient tale of what would you wish for if you could wish for anything. This movie looks like it's going to be wild. Um, we were all pretty big fans of Everything Everywhere All at Once, maximalist kind of filmmaking. This looks kind of in that realm of just tons of stuff happening with this creative team around it. I'm really looking forward to this one, even though it's not getting incredible critical reviews. Um, but I am still looking forward to it. And, um, as a fan of George Miller and the, everyone involved here, how are we feeling about 3000 years of longing? Chris? From the director of Happy Feet. I think that should be how they're at. And Babe 2. Come on. And Babe 2. Don't you forget Uh, it. I'm excited Uh, to see this movie. Pig in the City. Yeah, Pig in the City. Babe 2, Pig in the City. I'm excited to see this movie for all the reasons that you just mentioned, Brian. You know, it's definitely going to be uh, maximist or maximalist filmmaking. Um, There has been, for anyone watching What We Do in the Shadows recently, the most recent season, there has been a gin in that show. uh, And they can be very deceptive when it comes to wish granting and uh, the the rules around how you frame wishes. So uh, I think it'll be a very interesting film. Ah, you wished for a good movie, did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian says, be there. We'll be wild. I'm excited. <laughs> you guys didn't get the reference. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, uh, of course. This is like the guy who made Mad Max Fury Road, which is like a masterpiece of uh, filmmaking through visual storytelling there and action go. set pieces. Boom. Uh, so yeah, of course. Who's not stoked? I don't. I don't care if someone says, "Ah, oh, it's a fart of a movie." I'd be like, "I'm still gonna see it." Sorry, still gonna check out that. I'll sniff that fart. Um, I will sniff that fart. <laughs> Throw it on the poster. Uh, that's three thousand. Brian years. and Papaholic says, "I'll sniff that fart." <laughs> Spray it on the poster. Uh, that's forty X. Uh, fart DX. Uh, well, 3,000 uh, years. Fart, uh, the, the, the Irish version. Ah, that's Fart X. Fart X. Fart eggs. Oh, no. Oh, that's, what a rabbit hole. Bad. Brian, what else is coming out? We've also got The Invitation coming to theaters this Friday. This is a supernatural horror thriller written and directed by Jessica M. Thompson and co-written by Blair Butler. It stars uh, Natalie Emanuel and Thomas Doherty. It's inspired by Dracula by Bram Stoker and follows a young woman who, after her mother's death, meets her family for the first time, only to discover the dark secrets behind them. As usual, I know this is a movie that you guys probably are not going to see, but I love the consistent horror movies that are coming out. These are staples of theaters and um, are one of the genres that are consistently putting out movies throughout the entire year, so something that I always appreciate um, as a constant moviegoer. Um, that's The Invitation. Definitely looks like it could be a fun one in theaters this Friday. Moving on to our last movie that's coming out this week to Prime Video, we have Samaritan. This is a movie that has never been discussed on this podcast before. And definitely exists. And definitely exists now. So anyone who feels differently can just you know, pull up the old podcast where I'm was being an idiot and announced this early. But Samaritan is a superhero film directed by Julius Avery, written by Braggy F. Shutt, and starring Sylvester Stallone in the title role, as well as Javon Walton uh, and many more. This is described as a dark new take on superhero movies. 
hear that Snyder Bros. And the story was previously adapted into a comic um, by some of the people involved in this movie. The premise is a young boy comes to the realization that a famed superhero who was thought to have gone missing after an epic battle 25 years ago may in fact still be around. Um, This is not a ridiculously original premise, but Sylvester Stallone being in this movie, it coming to Prime Video, this is basically Sylvester Stallone in a possibly a little bit sillier Unbreakable is kind of the the vibe that I'm getting. That's Um, a great way to pitch it. uh, I feel, and I'm kind of here for it. Uh, It looks like it could be a a bit of fun. Um, Are you guys, are you guys here for this movie, Chris? Uh, At all, now this movie exists, there's a trailer for it. Would you watch it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen the trailer a couple times, Brian. Like you said, Stallone in a superhero role. It's an interesting premise. It uh, it has been done before, but yeah, this is great. Like you know, Sunday afternoon movie fodder. You know, toss it on, watch it, see if it's good or not. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's the same slot for NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> You can fall asleep during it, wake up like an hour yeah. later, and not, you know, feel any differently. You, you'll still exactly. be fine. Exactly. Still know exactly what's going on. High praise here. Martin Starr is going to be in the film, which is uh, which is exciting. That uh, changes everything. It does. I like Martin Starr. Saturday night movie. Five father. stars. Uh, no, I, this movie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm like, I'm so over superhero movies mostly, and then to see like, well, we're gonna do it different. I'm like, oh, you're not. You're not going to do it different. I don't believe you. You've never seen a dark new take on the superhero genre. He's like, I don't give a shit, and I'm super not like strong. This. Yeah, I don't know. Stallone's cool. Well, let's see. You're right. Sunday afternoon, I can't think of anything better to do than put on Samaritan. Samaritan. <laughs> so that's Samaritan coming to Prime Video this Friday, and that wraps it up for the news this week. Brian, how wacky, how fun. Uh, I was there. It was wild. You still don't get that reference. Very funny. TBS. Let's move on into what we've been consuming with our quick hits. Quick hits! Quick hits! Quick hits! Quick hits! Quick hits! Quick hits! Talk to you a quick hits. Keep it quick. Quick hits is that very special part of the show. Where we talk about what we've been consuming in the world of pop culture. Uh, I've been consuming a lot of how to buy a house, and uh, it's going well. So more to come on that. But a very busy work, baby, house stuff. So uh, I'll watch some. I'll try to watch She Hulk or something, and uh, and I'll I'll get back to you. But someone has been watching She Hulk. And he's more of a He-Hulk, if you ask me. And that's what? our... Uh, Not the our, bad kind, though. No. Yeah. And uh, in the, our, our go-to correspondent on all things green women with a lot to give uh, is Chris Michael Conkling. What did you think of She-Hulk? You've been, you've been ready. Uh, you know, I, I sat down and I watched the first episode this morning before work. IMDb summary is Jennifer Wal- Jennifer Walters navigates the complicated life of a single 30-something attorney who also happens to be a green six-foot-seven superpowered Hulk. Yeah, the, she does. The promise of the show was it was it's going to be a uh, comedic, uh, lawyer-based sitcom. You know, we we 
got WandaVision a couple years ago, which was paying homage to sitcoms of the past. But this is Marvel's first genuine attempt at making something that is a sitcom. Uh, and I have to say that I absolutely love the first episode. You know, Tatiana Maslany plays uh, Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk. The first episode also has Mark Ruffalo in it. And Tatiana Maslany is uh, just fun and charismatic and likable right off the bat. Uh, she breaks the fourth wall almost immediately, so we immediately kind of get into the tone of what the show is going to be. But, uh, and, and we learn a lot about Mark Ruffalo's character as the Hulk. The Hulk is a character that has been somewhat neglected over the course of the MCU's run, mostly because Universal owns the rights to that character and they refuse to give them up. So Marvel cannot make a standalone Hulk film. They have to insert him in a bunch of other projects and kind of uh, move his character progression through those. But I will say that there are a lot of things introduced in this episode uh, that made me smile. There's some moments uh, in regards to his relationship with Tony Stark and how he's coping with his death that I found to be kind of sweet, considering that they are very close uh, in, in past MCU projects. But even more than that, Mark Ruffalo's relationship with Tatiana Maslany, their cousins in, in the show, uh, is very genuine. They have a very fun cousin dynamic, and it feels real. Um, him trying to kind of mentor her through this experience uh, is is just a blast to watch. There are a ton of MCU references in this show, and we haven't seen Tatiana Maslany poke fun at them yet, but from the trailers, we will see her like directly reference the fact that MCU fandom is like obsessed with cameos and, and stuff like that. So I appreciate how self-aware the show is. This first episode is mostly origin. Uh, like I said, a lot of stuff between Hulk and She-Hulk. I can't wait until next week when we finally get into more of what the show's promising, that that law-based comedy sitcom show. I kind of wish that they released two episodes today instead of just the one. That way we could get a better idea of what the rest of the show is going to be like because I have a feeling episode one is more like a standalone episode for the show just kind of getting the origin out of the way but you know the, the show's tackling a lot of concepts about uh what women kind of have to go through on a, a daily basis and uh there's a, a portion of the fandom that doesn't necessarily like that and to them i say you can and by that off. you mean women <laughs> right yeah the women the the female viewers of she hulk I, I disagree with. No, I think this is a, no, I a great... <laughs> what they don't like is women. Sorry. Yeah, right, we don't, exactly. Yeah, we, yes. uh, I just want to clarify. <laughs> we on the Bobaholics hate women. Yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah, yeah. I, I am curious. Um, how different is the fourth wall breaking from like a Deadpool in terms of the kind of feel of it? Does it feel it's the different? Same. It is. It is very similar. Okay, it's very much the same. Where you know, obviously, you know, with any fourth wall breaking project, the character is going to be directly referencing the audience, and there are multiple, not as many as I think we're going to get in future episodes, but there are at least two moments, two or three moments in the this episode where she looks down the barrel of the camera directly at the audience and addresses them, which are a ton of fun. You know, I really like that. Uh, you have there is a moment where another character kind of acknowledges that she's doing this which is also really fun yeah um 
but yeah, I think the show's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see more. It's going to be nine episodes long. Easy breezy, you know, basically 25-minute episodes each week. Super digestible. Every single one of these episodes is going to have a post credit scene. So I will recommend watching through the credits. And I have to say that I think uh, the post credit scene at the end of the first episode of She-Hulk is probably my favorite post credit scene for the entire MCU. Uh, it is absolutely hilarious, and it ties ties into a running bit they have uh, going through uh, the whole the whole episode. But highly recommend, um, unless you know you're like in in cell in your mother's basement, and you you don't like women. So, <laughs> wow, that's the case. Stay away because I don't want to hear your bitching. <laughs> so that's the group we want to piss off, Chris. Right? Yeah, incels. Good job. Uh, are either of you? I know we've talked about the show, you know, several times in the past. Are either of you like itching to to watch this show or interested to see the show at all? I'm definitely planning on it now that they're doing little behind the pod Thursday releases. It might mm-hmm. make it a little more difficult to be right up to to date, but um, yeah, I'll definitely be watching this this weekend or or soon before the next one comes out. I'm an incel. So it's going to be difficult for me to connect. <laughs> Reporting live from his mother's basement. What I call, I mean, I mean, what I call another period piece. You know what I mean? Gosh. <laughs> wow. Yep. A- anyway, no, it looks it looks fun. Back to you, Brian. I'm excited. For, <laughs> I'm excited for some candy. This show sounds like candy. I like candy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some candy. I want candy. Bubble gum. Yeah. MC Chris. There you go. All right, Brian. That's uh, Shield Attorney at Law. Uh, you saw a couple of things uh, on, uh, in the theater, in the theater, and uh, a new release on Peacock. Tell us about what you've been consuming, Brian. So, yeah, something I talked about in the last couple of weeks that, that just came out, Inuo, um, a Japanese uh, anime that, that is out in wide release right now. Um, this movie is directed by Masaki Yuasa and uh, produced produced by Science Saru. It's based upon a novel by Hideo Furukawa and set in 14th century Japan. Um, it tells the story of um, a young man who is born um, with physical deformities and who becomes kind of like an outcast in the town that he lives in, as well as a, another boy who plays, oh, what is the instrument that they play? Do, do, do. Uh, a biwa. Rock guitar. Um, uh, he, <laughs> he is a blind, uh, a young man who's blind who plays the biwa, um, this instrument. I'm not sure if they're monks, but it's a kind of like a dojo for, for Biwa players that he kind of is raised in. Um, they eventually meet up. The character who has physical deformities, Inu-O, is kind of um, getting blamed for some things that are happening in the town. Uh, the animation in this movie is amazing. It g- can go from relatively standard to like, full-on kind of psychedelic sort of um, very experimental sort of thing, switching up the animation style at times. There's also these really kind of beautiful um, themes about how we tell our stories and how we tell our histories and who is allowed to tell those stories and the power structures around that. Um, And then it's also kind of a a musical, a, a rock opera where 
we're getting these stories of um they're called Heike H-E-I-K-I um of former Heike people um being told through this very modern sounding rock music um and dancing as well um our character Inuo uh, often just dances like does like Michael Jackson moves like right recognizable modern pop culture <laughs> dance moves and stuff that make this a whole lot of fun given the the time period that it's set and I thought this movie was really great uh, something that I would definitely recommend um, anyone who's interested in uh, anime and you know obviously uh, rock music in general or this sort of kind of like metal rock ish stuff there is plenty to enjoy with Inu O. Yeah, I believe it's a Japanese thing. So I believe the character that he's referencing with his dance moves is Michael Jack. I don't know. I don't uh, what, know what that what? means. <laughs> oh, oh, because the Japanese is Michael Jackson. <laughs> In no. you, uh, Brian. Thank you for that. In theaters now. Is it? It's it's an anime. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah, it's animated. That's fun. What's the style? Is it is it like that sharp sharp edges, sharp lines, very classic kind of Japanese anime? Like I said, it some for the the bulk of it, I think it's kind of that that classic look, but it does uh, switch up at times throughout the course of it, okay. um, and kind of like goes like full on music video at times too, because it's you know it does break into music at times. There's like three or four big um, musical numbers, I think, throughout it. What is I say the, musical numbers, but what in a uh, last question? What what is the you said Bayou? What kind of instrument is that? A uh, biwa. I'm not sure how biwa. it's pronounced in English. B i w a. Um, yeah, it's a stringed. It's a string instrument. Hey, um, very cool. All right. Yes, so the strings. You have to. You have to pull them tight. Uh, I'm so sorry. Um, the other thing I've been watching. <laughs> it's so so bad. Um, this is actually not a new movie. Um, I actually saw this at the Tampa Theater. They did a screening of this. I had heard about it. Referenced. Um, on Empire Film Podcast, a uh, podcast that I really enjoy. This is a movie from uh, 1999 called But I'm now, a Brian, Cheerleader. Now, Brian, Brian, I need you to get the right inflection for the reading of this title. But I'm a cheerleader. That's it. Oh, boy. Nailed uh, it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is from 1999. It's directed by Jamie Babbitt and written by her and Brian Wayne Peterson and stars Natasha Leone as Megan Bloomfield. Uh, a high school cheerleader whose parents send her to resident inpatient conversion therapy to cure her lesbianism. This um, is a comedy, if you can believe it, with the conceit of the movie. It is a very um, a kind of black comedy satire on these fundamental uh, religious-ish sorts of um, camps here that do still exist today are very serious. A lot of abuse, real abuse happens at these places, which is not funny, obviously. But I think this movie is a whole lot of fun. I think it's hilarious. It's obviously very campy and self-aware and making fun of a lot of this stuff. But I think ultimately it has kind of a sweet feel to it as well. And um, it does it does come through and makes it, obviously for 1999, it still feels like something that is kind of progressive in terms of talking about this stuff, making fun of it here, but highlighting the how ludicrous it is, um, just the conceit of these sorts of camps. And to think that you can change people this way when fundamentally we've shown that that's 
not how people are. We see an early example of RuPaul here, who is called RuPaul Charles in the cast, who is playing a someone who has been converted, who is very much still struggling with the temptations <laughs> that are natural to him. Um, really great stuff. I watched this with a crowd. It was a 10.30 p.m. showing. This clearly has like a cult following because the crowd was breaking into applause at various points throughout this movie, oh, wow. which clearly helped. I was like, oh, okay, people love this movie. It kind of it's really fun. added to my experience as well. Um, and then, yeah, um, Natasha Leone, I haven't seen her in that many things. I think she's in the American Pie movies, maybe. And she did Russian Doll most recently for Netflix, um, which is kind of a comeback for her in, in her career, I think. But yeah, um, this movie is not particularly critically well-reviewed, but if um, you're in for this sort of uh, dark comedy satire stuff, this movie is definitely worth a watch. It sounds very similar to uh, around the same time. I believe it was 99, if not maybe 2002 at the latest, but Saved. Uh, the, uh, You've told me about this movie, and I, I've never seen it. That's, oh, yeah. Macaulay uh, that's Cul- Culkin vehicle. And uh, Brittany Murphy? Yeah. No, it's uh, that, uh, that centers around a Catholic school. Obviously, I went to a, a, a Christian school, so like obviously right at the alley. But yeah. Uh, no, I, I now that you're mentioning it, I have heard of this film, and uh, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing it. So maybe you gotta maybe you gotta get that peacock and uh, check it out. Seems it's, like it's, it's right up my alley. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll just quickly say I have I've gotten on a kick of the Universal Classic monster movies, and I watched Frankenstein and The Mummy. And what, what can I say? These movies are all time classics for a reason. They're like an hour ten minutes. They're paced ridiculously. Concepts to spare. Just incredible stuff happening in these movies. So I'm not going to deep dive today, but um, having a lot of fun going back and watching these movies for the first time uh, from 1930s before the the code was implemented. You have characters saying things like, what, I'm just going to sleep with you and I've never met you or something like that. Just things that you wouldn't expect from <laughs> like old movies. Yeah. Um, just really awesome stuff. It's exciting. What format are you watching them on? Just digital. So Voodoo did a 4.99 4K sale on oh, Frankenstein, which I hopped on, um, and then I just rented the Mummy after that. They still do the conversions, those modern conversions for those streams. So it's still probably a good. Oh, yeah, a 4K box set just came out like last year. Yeah, I I've have been the Blu-ray box that. set. It's um, pricey. <laughs> I've been yeah, I've been meaning to update up, you know, upgrade to the 4K for those as well. Yeah, it always depends because sometimes the Blu-rays are like a 4K or 6K scan they did. Um, yeah. So a lot of times it is the same like source. Um, but that's still still exciting nonetheless. I do I do want to revisit. I Not revisit. I've never seen the original uh, Frankenstein and Mummy. So that's, that's really cool, Brian. I uh, can't wait to hear more about that. All right. And that's going to do it for quick hits. Let's wrap things up with our community feedback. It's time for community feedback. Sometimes there is a bore, but mostly community feedback. Bobaholicscast at gmail.com. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to the community feedback section, loyal viewers and listeners. In this section, the Popaholics take care of some housekeeping. We will go over any poll results that we have from our Twitter this week we don't have any we will read any five star written reviews that you've given us either on spotify or the apple podcast app when we do have reviews you get to hear that sweet jingle that was that was a free taste 
of the jingle without any reviews. And then, of course, we highlight our upcoming Throwback Thursday episode coming out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash popaholics. This week on our Throwback Thursday episode, we're continuing our Women Empowerment Month from 2020. Uh, if you don't like She-Hulk, you probably won't like any of these conversations. So go fuck yourself, you incel <laughs> basement dwelling fuck. <laughs> right, Chris? I couldn't have said it better myself, Christian. Uh, this week we cover Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, it was a great conversation. It is an all-time classic action film. So if you want to check out our conversation about Terminator 2, Judgment Day, you can, again, on YouTube.com slash Popaholics this coming Thursday. And you guys have perfectly any- timed to our Predator Month, a ghost, no, mm-hmm. a Predator, Terminator 2, the reason that Arnold Schwarzenegger is not in Predator 2. Very true. Right. He made the right choice. Synergy. Planned. Every day there's content. <laughs> it always works out. Christian, where else can our loyal listeners and viewers find us online? They can find us. Uh, we have a beautiful link in the podcast uh, notes or the YouTube video description uh, that says check us out all around the web, and it takes you all around the web to our social medias as well as that podcast and YouTube feed, respectively, if you're listening or watching on either of those. Um, also, we have a cool giveaway. I forgot to mention it up top, but if you comment on this video, this is one of your last chances to to get in there and and get your get your vote in. Uh, you subscribe to the YouTube channel specifically and comment on any of the weekly uploads or our prey review videos. Uh, that gives you one entry to win a beautiful 4K digital copy of the original Predator, starring the previously mentioned Arnie Schwarz. Uh, so very exciting, <laughs> very exciting giveaway uh, there as uh, falls there. Uh, gentlemen, where can people find more of uh, your work individually? Loyal listeners and viewers, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Conkling talking about all things nerdy, comic books, television, movies, video games, collectibles. If it's nerdy, I'm talking about it. And then you can find my writing on a monthly basis over on carefulforspoilers.com. And you can find me on Twitter at TruePopoholic. And you can find me at Christian Katie on Twitter. My band at Midnight Satire. Midnight Satire is music that I make. Uh, Augmented Reality is a new EP streaming now. Music videos on the YouTube uh, Midnight Satire page that you can go check out. These two beautiful blokes are in it. And uh, it's, it's very, very good stuff. I had a lot of fun making it. It's cool. More to come. I, uh, I have some cool equipment that I've just acquired that, uh, <laughs> oh, no. you know, after, after I may have a big move coming up. And then uh, and I've got a big uh, I might have I might have access to a very large yard. Which is very exciting. Perfect for shooting. Absolutely. Independent projects. Absolutely. It'll be a big set. It's very exciting stuff. Um, potentially. So that's going to do it for this episode of Popaholics. It is Predator Month. We are talking about Predator 2, as we mentioned before. So check out uh, that Wednesday episode. And then next week is Predators. So all sorts of new Predator content. Prey, our review, which we gushed about. A lot of fun. Watch that on Hulu and uh, go watch that video or listen to our podcast feed on Prey. I think we did an excellent job uh, recapping that. I gushed about I talked about all the cool Predator kills and all the cool things in that movie. It's such a good movie. I can't stop thinking about it. I want to watch it again. I don't have any time, but I want to watch it again. Let's end the way that we always do on this show uh, that the host never forgets about, which is with Christian's TikTok of the week. This is on Black Friday a few years ago. They started moving Black Friday up, like to Thanksgiving, so people would have to go to work on Thanksgiving. And some stores decided they wanted to stay closed on Thanksgiving so their employees could have the day off, like TJ Maxx. And when they did that, some people wrote to them on Facebook, like this person, Trey, who said, Boo, 
you should be open tomorrow. It's just another day. So I made a Facebook page that looks just like TJ Maxx and responded and said, we'll be open for Thanksgiving, but only if your house is too. He's like, I'm reporting who made this rude TJ Maxx comment to me. We would read the report, but unfortunately we are still closed. And that made Trey angry. Now this is the same Thanksgiving, and this is the Macy's Day Parade. It featured a kiss between two women that they aired on TV. And now this is the same Trey that we saw writing to TJ Maxx, writing to Macy's now, saying being G dot dot is unnatural and not okay. It's okay to be gay, and it's okay to be Trey. Love yourself. It'll all be okay. Trey, we're still closed. He's like, Macy's and TJ Maxx are related? We're gay lovers. <laughs> Very nice. It was so fucking long-winded. <laughs> Chris.